1: Well, it's Thursday night here in the Farm Bureau Studios. At least one of us is here. I'm Charlie Winfield. I am in the Farm Bureau Studios. Bart Gregory is participating in this Tracks Plus Thursday deep dig from a place we'd all like to be, and that is a press box at a youth baseball practice. Is that right, Bart? Uh,
0: That is correct, Charlie, and I would not say it's really a press box. I am at the park in Kosciuszko. I'm about two fields away from... What's going on now is the best ever 11 year old baseball practice in the world. It's open air. It uh, has been constructed primarily of wood. But you know what they have? They have power. They have power, and I have internet, and we have the ability to talk to each other. The modern marvels of technology is amazing.
1: Uh, You got to like that. So, this is our Tracks Plus deep dig, and we're going to take a look as the opponent we don't see very much, Princeton coming to town. Bart, this isn't one that uh, you normally think of in big baseball weekends, but you know what? This is a, probably a weekend that Mississippi State doesn't need candidly to worry about RPI or everything, anything else. They just need to get some wins in the book. Princeton coming in. First of all, I had the question today, we were driving back, and, and my wife says, you know, where is Princeton anyway? You know, that's kind of one of those things about all these Ivy League schools. You start thinking about, where's Columbia? Where's Brown? A lot of these Ivy League schools People don't really know where they are, other than kind of up in the northeast.
0: Yeah, Princeton's actually started as the College of New Jersey. It's right in the middle of the state. You go south of Newark, and it's not far from the city. Not tremendously far from the cities. I would say almost equidistant. Well, I don't know. Want to say equidistant? I'm not looking at a map right now, but I can tell you where Germantown High School is. I do know that for a fact. So as we get into geography, it's uh, it's in the middle of New Jersey, and Charlie back on a, on the in the midweek on our out of left field show yesterday how crazy is it that the head coach of men's tennis at Princeton is from startle Mississippi and went to startle high
1: oh it's awesome if you didn't check out that interview Billy pate who uh, played tennis at Mississippi State went on to be an assistant coach at Notre Dame head coach at Alabama and then left is in his tenth season now at Princeton as the tennis coach it was a lot of fun to catch up with him. You know, you would think that there wouldn't be that many Princeton and MSU connections, but there are some. Uh, Billy Pate, of course, I'd guess the most notable. We had a history professor, uh, Professor Hay, Dr. Hay, who uh, spent uh, a year as a a fellow there a couple of years ago studying the Revolutionary War. So, uh, in fact, it used to be that in the early 1800s, it was kind of fashionable for those who were well-to-do to send their kids to Princeton. There were a lot of Mississippians at Princeton, and it was once referred to as
0: the northernmost outpost of southern culture,
1: which uh, wouldn't have always associated Princeton with.
0: 200 years from now, they'll be talking about that when they talk about Nantawoya.
1: Well, if they are talking about Nantawoya in 200 years, uh, let's hope it is at least favorable.
0: So Princeton is actually the fourth oldest school in the country and charlie we talked about this a few years ago when we had columbia in town remember we played columbia early in the season and of course princeton has been down south they played lsu a few years ago they actually played old miss a few years ago but it's one of the nine colonial colleges and what the colonial colleges were is they were the colleges that were formed before the american revolution And when you start looking at the colonial colleges, seven of the eight Ivy League schools are colonial colleges. Cornell is the only one that's not. And there are two colleges that are not in the Ivy League that are colonial colleges. The College of William and Mary, which is the second oldest school in the country. And then Rutgers University, which was started out as Queens College. Now, you had King's College, which was Columbia. and Then Queens College, which is Rutgers. And then you have the College of Philadelphia, which is now Penn. You have the Rhode Island College, which is now Brown. And then Harvard, of course, is the oldest. And then Dartmouth, of course, up to th- at the top in uh, New Hampshire. Harvard, of course, is the oldest school. William and Mary second, II, Yale the third, and Princeton is the fourth. And so it's in the, the province of New Jersey, started as a Presbyterian school. It's officially non sectarian now, but it was founded in 1746.
1: There was actually a Revolutionary War battle fought on the campus at Princeton. Everybody remembers Washington crossing the Delaware and attacked Trenton in December of 1776, December 26 of 1776. Well, one week later, Washington attacked the British at Princeton. And so one of the important colonial victories in the Revolutionary War was fought on their campus in early January of 1777. Uh, let's see, JFK went to Princeton, Grover Cleveland, Jason Garrett, the ill-famed Jason Garrett. You know, Jason Garrett wouldn't be my least popular graduate of Princeton, uh, nor would it be Brooke Shields, I'm not going to riff on her, but Aaron Burr, if you're familiar with the musical Hamilton, you know, that's the guy that killed Alexander Hamilton in the duel, the former vice president, Aaron Burr went to Princeton. You know, baseball history at Princeton, not as much to talk about, particularly Here over the last few years they won their conference tournament in 2016 and since then they haven't done that much part of the reason is they didn't even play last year so they have the shortened season in 2020 don't play last year they're off to an 0-8 start this year so look it's been a while since they've won a ball game I think it's actually been I think Walking Bully told us it's been something like 34 months since they won a baseball game let's hope that's a streak that doesn't break itself up this weekend.
0: And, Charlie, before I get into baseball, my least favorite Princeton graduate you didn't even mention a minute ago, and that's Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon, is my least favorite. And the reason is is because he takes a large chunk of my wallet each and every month. But, hey, I tell you this, like you said, this is a Princeton team. If you look at the record, you're sitting there saying, hey, this bunch ain't any good. But, Charlie, four losses by one run. They've been walked off a few times. But I'm worried about this cat tomorrow night. I mean, Enos is a guy that can really give you some problems. I mean, he was the Ivy League pitcher of the week last week in a loss against VCU.
1: Yeah, so why don't we do that? Why don't we take a look at Princeton's pitching staff and remind you, of course, that uh, we're brought to you by Trax Plus. Trax Plus, who is – Well, here's what I know about Tracks Plus, Bart. They make equipment that if you want to move dirt, if you want to knock down some trees, if you want to head out, ride a skid steer, now you can buy tractors. Tracks Plus, they can do it all.
0: Yep, four locations start on Columbus you got the main hub in Hickory Mississippi on the i-20 Hickory exit Summit Mississippi then in Alexandria Louisiana uh, Daniel bounds and Fred Fulton over in Columbus Ken Crosby down in Hickory Gresh Howell down in Summit Mississippi and hoop Weems in Alexandria Louisiana yeah we got to get you on a uh, on an excavator they've already called me he sent me a text earlier this week Daniel bounds did and says we need Charlie on an excavator and I am vehemently against going over there once you you get on one. So, yeah, once again, thanks to those guys for bringing our tracks Plus deep dig.
1: Yeah, you might want to stay uh, in the adjoining acre. I don't know that I would be around where I'm operating machinery, but let's take a look at this Princeton pitching staff. Bart, you mentioned the guy. Look, he's a good pitcher. Jackson Emus, he is a right-handed pitcher. He is 6'5", 240. And the thing that I was left with looking at him on film was he doesn't look 6'5". And I don't doubt his height. It's just that he's that thick. Not not fat at all, but he's just one of these big guys who I think on the mound, what?
0: Is that something you'd say about me if you're looking at film on me? No. He's not fat. He's just thick.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, no he's not round at all. This guy looks like a linebacker. This guy's a big old guy. 6'5", 240. He, he's got a weird motion. It's a... He kind of comes over the top in his windup, but everything's kind of quick. Nothing is smooth about him. Like you, you don't look at him and say, boy, this guy's got a smooth delivery. Remember how Ross Mitchell used to kind of take the ball out of the glove and then put it back in? He's got a little bit of that in his delivery where the ball comes out of the glove, comes back in, and then he delivers, flies open a little bit. But this is a guy who's just a big, strong, good athlete who happens to pitch. He also happens to get a lot of strikeouts, 19 in uh, – Thirteen innings of work this year, and the thing is, team his opponents are hitting 133 against him. So he throws strikes. His defense plays behind him. He's a good pitcher. Now the good thing is, you don't see a ton of sink. So if there's any good news, he's not doesn't look like the old sinker ball kind of guy.
0: Well, that's what I was about to say. As as long as you're telling me now, I watched the tape on last week's starters, the Tulane. You've watched the tape this week for Enos. And as long as you're telling me he's not 87 to 89 with a two-seam fastball and tries to get synced down and into right-handed hitters, as long as you tell me that, I'm okay.
1: Uh, last start he had was against VCU. And in that game, it looked more like he was trying to work away from right-handed hitters, had a slier, kind of kept everything out and away. Didn't see him come in much in that ball game at all. By the way, he also hits. He's also a, a hitter. So he, you never know where you might see him in this lineup. He's got a couple of hits on the season so far, but he went six innings against Purdue, allowed just one earned run. He went seven against VCU, 13 strikeouts, just two walks, only allowed a couple of hits. And how about this? A guy, the the book on Emus was that he is durable. How is this for two starts? Keep in mind, this is a cold weather school. First start out against Purdue, 89 pitches. Second start out against VCU, 118. He took a two to one loss in that ball game. 118 pitches allowed just one earned run. His ERA is un- under 1.4 right now. So the guy tomorrow is going to be good.
0: Yeah, well, will. And that kind of worries you a little bit because Charlie, when you when you look at us offensively right now, and you see the 260 average, you're sitting there saying, you know what, that's not terrible. When you see 260, and of course, we're a seven and seven team right now. But the thing that has to concern you is is the games we've won, we've hit the ball extremely well. The games that we've lost, we have not hit the ball well at all. And so you've got five games in there where you have five or fewer hits. Now – We hit the ball in our Saturday loss against Tulane. We didn't hit the ball against Grambling. We had five hits against Grambling. And so that's what kind of worries you is you you come out early on. You're playing at home. It's not going to be great weather, well, especially on Saturday. But Friday, it's not going to be great weather at all. We moved up that game time to 4 o'clock, by the way. But if you come out early and all of a sudden you start rolling some ground balls and all of a sudden you start pressing in innings four, five, and six, you could find yourself down and having to scratch and claw.
1: And that is not a place you want to find yourself because look, here's what you've got. You've got a good pitcher on the mound who is durable, who can last. And all of a sudden, if you can't put together something early, easy to get frustrated. So that's my concern. Now you get into the weekend, you're going to see a left-hander most likely in the ball game on Saturday. How do you want to say this? Um, do you think the C-H is silent on the front of this? It's C-H-M-I-E-L-E-W-S-K-I. Shemilewski?
0: Maluski. Until we get a pronunciation guide, he's going to be Shemilewski to us. How about that?
1: Well, I'm sold uh, because the Ivy League roster – not providing the pronunciation guide. But Shmielewski is a left-handed pitcher. He is uh, kind of one of those classic left-handed guys. He's not overpowering. The, the one thing about here here's the thing I will, I will highlight about him. He is the one pitcher on the Princeton roster who has had a runner caught stealing while he was on the mound. Princeton has been run on 20 times. 19 of those were successful. Think about that, 95% of runners trying to steal base. So the left-hander, the only guy able to hold somebody close enough to throw him out.
0: Well, the first uh, step one is going to be getting on base. That's step one. Step two, then all of a sudden you start wondering about trying to steal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I suppose uh, suppose I take these one things at a time. Uh, And then you're going to see a transfer on Sunday, Andrew D'Alessio, he is uh, a right-hander. He pitched Xavier last year. Young guy, not terribly overpowering. But, again, pretty good numbers. That's the thing is their starting pitching uh, has not been awful. You, you look at Emus' ERA of 1.4, actually 1.38. Shmielewski, D'Alessio guys with ERAs in the fours. But, clearly, the best guy we will see for Princeton will be on Friday night. Jackson, Emos, the big Right hander.
0: I want to see Reese Rabin. He's gone seven and a third. He's given up fourteen runs, all earned on sixteen hits in seven and a third of innings. And teams are hitting four fifty seven against him.
1: Well, you know, Rabin actually got the start in the second ball game and, and then again he got the start in the last ball game they played against Old Dominion. So who knows if Rabin will be ready to come back. We may go over send an ice pack over, help get him loose. Well, we'll send a trainer over to help him out, maybe get him ready for Sunday.
0: I want to see him in the 6th inning on Sunday is when I want to see him, the 5th, 6th, or 7th inning on Sunday.
1: Now That would be a, a nice break. By the way, we are in the Farm Bureau studios, Farm Bureau agents in all 82 of Mississippi's counties. If you want to check out the rates, go to com. These are the guys. They're in your community. They go to church with you. They go. kids go to school with you. They work the carpools. Farm Bureau, great service. You can check them out at favorites.com. Bart, I look through the Princeton hitters. Just one guy really jumps out to you. Nadir Lewis, he's an outfielder, probably played left field. They moved him around a little bit. But he's from Alpharetta, Georgia. He's hitting 500 with three home runs. He is 14 of 28. He's 11 out of 19 against right-handed pitching. He has a hit in every game, and you could say big deal. It's Princeton, but look, they've played good competition. They've played Purdue. They've played VCU. They've played Old Dominion. And this guy just continues to hit. He has 14 hits in eight games. He is a quality, quality outfielder. It'll probably They've moved him around a little bit, but probably hit him clean up. He's a dangerous player.
0: You know, and half of his hits are extra base hits. He's got three doubles, one triple, three home runs out of his 14 hits. And as you said, Charlie, hitting an even five hundred, fourteen of 28. He strikes out, you know, seven strikeouts this year, seven walks. So he walks as many times as he strikes out. And so, yeah, he's not only a guy that can get on the base. He's a, he's a guy that's really hurt people at the plate. You know, when I was looking at stats and, and you see – nadir lewis his stats really jump off the page at you and then you look at down lower in their lineup noah a uh, number three he's four of 32 on the season and this is not in a good way four of 32 he's batting a buck 25 but here's the thing that stands out to me charlie about granette four for 32 so that means he's gotten out 28 times He's struck out seven times he's grounded out three times he has put the ball in the air and flown out 19 times this year. I mean, 19 times he has hit a fly out. And so he's a guy that, that puts the ball in play, but he's popping everything up. And it's almost like Willie Mays Hayes in Major League. I mean, you wonder if he, you're going to see him hit a pop-up and start doing push-ups at the plate. <laughs> he
1: probably ought to. You, you wonder, too, if that's the, the product of what we're seeing now in baseball, this idea of having to have lift. And, what I've always argued is for a guy that can't hit it out of the yard, lift just means a fly ball sometimes to the shortstop. Nineteen to three. That's a flyout to ground out ratio of six point three. Now, if you look at Princeton overall, they've got a one point five ratio flyouts to ground outs, but then again, you take him out of the picture and it's basically even. It's just that his swing of sixteen to the flyout side really makes that uh, that ratio kind of jump out at you. But everybody else basically more or less in line in terms of fly balls, ground balls.
0: Yeah, that was really the only thing that stood out to me is is when you start looking at his numbers. Now, Nadir Lewis, you know, is a 1.3. Four flyouts, three groundouts. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's what's crazy. Seven strikeouts, four groundouts, three flyouts, and so I mean, that's a guy that's put the ball in play. When he gets up there, he's going to put it in play. You know, Brendan Cummings had a pretty good year so far. He's got eleven hits and thirty eleven hits and thirty three at bats, and you know, with one home run. This is a team that's hit six home runs so far this year. They don't run at all. They're just three of six stealing bases this year. And as you said, Charlie, giving up 19 of 20 on the season. And so uh, just haven't had a chance to, to run a whole lot because you know they're only batting 235 as a team, just haven't gotten on base a whole lot here early.
1: And what do we talk about all the time, too, the importance of hitting with two outs and the importance of hitting with runners on base. Princeton just hitting 183 with runners on base, hitting 196 with two outs. So it, it's a team that has not been able to get the two-out hit, or for that matter, to really move base runners all year long. So you look at this team, the takeaway for me is this. The danger of Princeton is that you have a guy on Friday who can keep you in any game. Jackson Amos can keep you in ball games. Hasn't been able to win one yet because they just haven't been good enough offensively. But for a team that kind of struggles at times, that's a guy that, uh, you know, you're going to you're gonna have to figure out a way to navigate. Here's the other thing about him. You start to think about what does a Hunter Hines do? What does a Luke Hancock do? You start to think about some of these left-handed hitters that you want to get in the ballgame against the right-handed pitcher. He's faced 17 lefties this year. Only one has gotten hit. So left-handed hitters hitting just zero fifty nine 59 against him this season.
0: Well, that's a pretty good stat for a right-handed pitcher against left-handed hitters. Now, you know, you don't know exactly what kind of left-handed hitters that Purdue has. You know, we saw VCU last year. VCU is a pretty good ball club, and so. Um, hey, at the end of the day, Charlie. You know, we talked about it two weeks ago about how this weekend is about us, and then we lose the Friday game, and then you know people are like, "Hey, you should never, you know, say this is this is going to be a no doubt win." And I'm not saying this is going to be a no doubt sweep because this guy has ability on Friday night, and it all it takes is a, a good pitching outing and a couple hits here and there. The thing we really haven't talked about is is whoever we're going to be starting against him it will be their first Friday night start. It will be their first game one of a three-game series start, whether it's Preston Johnson or whoever it's going to be on Friday night. And so you kind of, you know, you want to come out early and not give up anything early because this is a guy who uh, can pitch with a lead. And so that's what kind of worries you is just kind of the unknown of what we're going to have going on Friday night.
1: Well, I hate to keep saying it, though, but this weekend it's about us. It's about a couple of things, I think, for Mississippi State. Number one, who's going to start on Friday? Is that person going to be comfortable in that role? Because as you point out, this will be the first time out of the box to do that. The second thing to me that it's about is just hitting the baseball. You know, one of the things I've really liked about Hunter Hines is how he contacts the baseball very hard. We start to look at guys and you think, you know, you can look at the numbers, and that's one thing. But the other thing is to stand there and just watch somebody hit. And it seems like he is always around the middle of the baseball, and he's always hitting it hard. And how about this, by the way? In a world where all these guys are trying to get lift and hit home runs, Hunter Hines has hit home runs, and he's hit the ball very hard. But how about this? He's got more ground outs than he has flyouts. This guy's only flown out five times this year. That's a guy who – I think Coach Pole compared him to Rafael Palmero, but I think right now, obviously a different build, but this is a guy who is just making good solid contact and you hope that he can kind of kind of stay hot at the plate. He's been really good as of late. And in fact now leading the team in hitting, he's hitting three sixty seven, leads the team in home runs with four, second on the team in RBIs with fourteen. And right now Hunter Hines just one of your better guys.
0: Well, Charlie, here's the thing that looks different to me about Hunter Hines than most, you know, quote-unquote big guys, I mean, that you see at the plate, is he has fast hands. He's got quick hands. How many times you see somebody come in, especially a freshman or a junior college transfer, and they're a big first baseman, and they have a long swing? And the ability to have fast hands can really – Get you out of some batted at bats at times. Your front half may be a maybe ahead or behind, but as long as you can get the hands through the zone. Now I'm not comparing him to, to Adam Frazier because Adam Frazier is a completely different style of hitter. But that's where guys have success at the next level and at this level is having fast hands to to be able to adjust during the at-bat or during the pitch, and he's got fast hands. That's the thing. He gets the barrel through the zone really quick and doesn't have that long, slow swing that sometimes you see.
1: All right, so let's play a game here, Bart. I'm going to not worry about where they go in the lineup. I'm not going to worry about who pitches on which day. But right now, you know that Kate Smith will be a weekend starter. You know that Preston Johnson will be a weekend starter. Who you got next?
0: Is I don't know. Is that the uh, number D right there? <laughs> I think so. Well, if, if Parker Stannett can keep on going uh, like he did the other night, I mean, I think he definitely gives you an option on the weekend. Um, but could he come back after pitching on Tuesday night and come back and say start and give you three or four innings in the Sunday game? I mean, that's something that that you got to you know ask yourself the question on too. And so, but that still gives you three right-handed pitchers in your starting rotation if you bring Parker net in there. But I, I don't really see anybody from the left side unless you want to bring you know, Pico Khan out of the bullpen. But right now, that looks like if that happens, it's going to be later in the season. But uh, yeah, I would uh, right now the way that Parker threw the ball on sunday if you don't locate early in the game if you have trouble locating and he had a little bit of trouble on tuesday night it's amazing we start looking at at fristo in the game wednesday game yesterday and you look at stanette who's had trouble locating with fast we got a number of guys that have had difficulty locating early in counts with fastball and falling behind, Stinnett threw the, the curveball at 2-0 the other night a couple times and really engaged himself back into some at-bats. And so, uh, yeah, I would have to say, you know, Parker Stinnett is, is definitely one of the guys I'd look for on a Sunday.
1: What about you? It's tough because you just look at innings pitched. You've got – in the guys who have pitched 10 or more innings this year, Landon Sims you won't see, Kate Smith, Preston Johnson. Then you've got Parker Stinnett, Brandon Smith, and Jackson Fristo. Now Fristo just went on Wednesday. Don't expect to see him. I wouldn't expect to see Brandon Smith starting right now for Brandon. You've got opponents hitting 3.56 against him, so don't necessarily want to see that. Uh, maybe Pico. Pico's thrown eight innings. Maybe you see a, a Parker Stannett Pico Khan uh, tag team in that ball game. Now the other thing about it is, if you get to Sunday and you're in good shape. You almost expect that they're going to be a little bit of a. Hopefully, you can go a little more committee by that. I mean, this is a weekend where your best chance to lose is on Friday, and so throw everything you got on Friday, and then you feel pretty good from there.
0: Yeah, no doubt, Charlie. And you've got Binghamton coming in on Tuesday, so it's not like you you have one of those Tuesday night games that you know is Dan and Pearl. You're not playing Southern Miss. You're not playing Ole Miss. You're not playing you know Texas Tech, and not to not Binghamton in any way. But uh, I, I think you can, you know, if you need to see everybody, if you had to see everybody on Sunday, you could kind of do the same thing with different guys on Tuesday night against Binghamton.
1: Bart, you know, it's that time of year. It's going to be cold this weekend, but we're starting to see glimpses that this thing's turning into spring and summer. I know my daughter is busy traveling. They've got parties associated with weddings and all those things. A lot of outdoor events. One thing is. You need to keep in mind, keep down the mosquitoes. And the guys do that. Mosquito Joe, they're making outdoors great again. One of the things that I'm going to be talking, Robert Carlton, by the way, Dorsey Hardeman. Now, look, I, I do hope, by the way, that if you listen to this and you know Dorsey down in Jackson, he's an old Miss guy. Let him know how much you appreciate him being a fan of a Mississippi State podcast. And, of course, our friend Robert Carlton. You know, I knew him in college part is either bob carlton or spanky. Spanky is spanky spanky's how i knew him but one, those are your two owners of mosquito joe they've got coverage in jackson meridian the surrounding areas the golden triangle hattiesburg laurel one of the things i'm going to be talking to robert carlton about are these outdoor misting systems they're great get them out on your deck they can focus on specific areas like your kitchens your outdoor kitchens your porches and they keep mosquitoes away kill them dead and uh, look, they also, and this is important to me, we're a three-dog family. They also have flea and tick treatments for your yard, fire ant treatments. So go see our friends at Mosquito Joe. They're making outside fun again.
0: Yep. I talked to uh, to Spanky just the other day, and I told him, I said, hey, we're in the process right now. we got everything framed up. It's time to come and do the layout and uh, put that misting system in on the back porch and the front porch. And so, yeah. Barrier treatments, they can spray around the edge of your yard. And like you said, Charlie, synthetic or natural, they they do a great job. And it is a complete difference maker if you've never had it done. And call our good friends at Mosquito Joe. And Mosquito Joe each week brings you a look at the upcoming weekend schedule. And, Charlie, now the final weekend of non-conference play. And everybody's playing the three-game series this weekend. High Point is at Kentucky. Lipscomb is at Georgia. Georgia. Wagner is at Vanderbilt. Seton Hall is at Florida. Rhode Island, they played Auburn last week. They're in Knoxville this weekend to take on Tennessee. Binghamton is at Alabama and of course Binghamton going to come over here on Tuesday night for a midweek game. Middle Tennessee State's down at Auburn. Number one Texas at South Carolina. That's return trip to Columbia this weekend so a three-game set between the Longhorns and the Gamecocks. Bethune-Cookman at LSU. or Roberts is at Ole Miss and Santa Clara is at is at Texas A&M. So that's a look around the SEC. And like we said, everybody in three-game sets, the final non-conference weekend of the season. So getting to the end of the pre-conference
1: season, Mississippi State needing a couple of wins. Not a couple of wins. They need three wins this weekend. We'll be back with you on Sunday for our Sunday coffee brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. And uh, Bart, kind of parting parting thoughts from you before we – Get ready for baseball action tomorrow.
0: I tell you what, nothing beats the weather of the South. I had taken the heater back home, and you can make fun of me as much as you want to, Charlie. The wind chill on Saturday is supposed to be 26. It's supposed to be in the 30s with the temperature, a possible snow and ice on Friday night, and the wind chill coming at the wind coming out of the north at around 20 miles per hour on Saturday. It is going to be cold, so make sure if you come, bundle up, bring some gloves, bring plenty of pair of socks, and just bundle up because it's going to be cold on Saturday. Sunday looks okay, though, but uh, Friday is going to be a little chilly. Saturday's going to be just flat-out cold.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge cold fan, but here we are. And By the way, Bart, while we're going to have some nice weather tomorrow, I'm going to make my midday over at Two Brothers and I love getting some tacos over at Two Brothers. I think I've told you this, too. I'm a fan of the cheese grits. My daughter's big thing. She likes the the fries with the barbecue on them. So Two Brothers, a great place to go by on your way to the game. We play at 4, get you a late lunch, head on over. And then, uh, hey, look, Saturday, Sunday, you want to beat that 1 o'clock start time, you got plenty of time to head by Two Brothers. They'll be open and going and uh, have a good meal on your way to the game.
0: Yeah, I told you last week. What did I tell you? As soon as we got through taping the show last Friday, I was going to head to Two Brothers for lunch. And that's what I did. Sat out on the patio. Sat out top. It was great weather. And, man, just great people watching right there on University Drive, right in the heart of the Cotton District. And i tell you what, man, just good food. Just, they just do a great job with everything that they fix, man. It's, it's good stuff. And uh, one of my favorite places to go, no doubt. All right, Bart,
1: that's another deep dig in the books, the final non-conference deep dig of the season. We'll be back with everybody on Sunday. Appreciate you guys hanging out and listening to the deep dig, getting you ready for Princeton.